and welcome to worship at First Church this morning. I'd like to welcome all the visitors we have with us, and also welcome those listening on the radio this morning. You'll notice that we have a change in our format already today. Brittany Werble has been under the weather and wasn't able to perform today, so we thank Sharon Janey for providing the music this morning. Before we get started with our service, I have several announcements. Church office staff will be serving at the Lima Soup Kitchen on Tuesday, February 14th. If any of you are interested in going along, just contact the church office or see a staff member after church today. As Dave mentioned last Sunday in his announcements, Wonderful Wednesdays in Lent is coming and will be starting on Wednesday, March 8th, and will be every Wednesday through April 5th. This is a wonderful ministry of outreach that we are able to reach children in our schools and also members of our congregation, or our members of our community, congregation, I guess, too. Uh, this program has grown by leaps and bounds over the last several years, and along with that, we are constantly looking for volunteer help. At the present time, we are looking for someone to fill the position of leading the children in games this year and also several adults to act as classroom leaders. If you are interested in any of those positions or would like to help out in some other way, no matter how small or big, please contact the church office. We will be, we will be receiving new members in March. If you are interested in becoming a new member of First Church, please, and you have any questions about what that process may be, see Pastor Joel or contact the church office. Our last announcement will be given by our youth director, Tori Russell. Good morning. I have two youth-related announcements. Um, students, tonight is our Super Bowl party, and instead of having it in the ministry center, we're going to do it at my house. Um, so, But we're going to meet here at 6 because there's limited parking on 219. Um, so meet in the parking lot at 6. We'll walk over, and then we'll probably watch till halftime, and then walk back, and your parents can pick you up from the church. Um, and then also, cookie dough, I need your forms by this Wednesday at the very latest. Um, so get them in tonight. You can turn them in or Wednesday or just drop them off at the office. But please get them in by Wednesday so we can get the cookie dough ordered and you guys can give out all the goodies that you sold. Um, also, recipes, the last day for accepting recipes will also be this Wednesday. Um, thank you all so much for the pouring in of recipes. It's overwhelming to see how many we have, but it's really cool, and this book is going to be awesome. Um, so thank you again, church, for helping out and getting all those recipe, recipes in. Thank you. Thank you, Tori. Now, if you'll please stand and join me in our call to worship. This morning, it is taken from Galatians 5, verses 16 through 18 and 22 through 25. So I say... Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Please remain standing as we sing our opening hymn, which is taken from the blue hymnal, Praise to the Lord Almighty. And at this time, I want to invite Carolyn Lammers and Chad Houston to come forward, as well as any of our current and former elders that may be here this morning. I'll ask you and Chad to just stand right here. You can face you. You can face out to the church. That'll be good. Thank you. All right, this morning we're going to be welcoming some of our new members of Consistory. Uh, officially, their, their new term started this past week on February 1st. So uh, this morning we would just like to, to present them to the church for ordination and their new roles, as well as, uh, as well as pray for them in their new ministry here as well. And so um, in, in preparation of that, I have some uh, questions just, to, just so that as, as new elders you can be making a, a statement of faith and, and commitment to this new role uh, before, before God and before this church. And so I'm going to just ask you to respond to these questions. 
Do you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? I do. Do you believe the Old and New Testaments to be the inspired Word of God? And do you commit to align your life according to the Bible to the best of your ability with the help of the Holy Spirit? And do you feel called by God to the office of elder in order to serve God and edify the First Church of New Knoxville? I do. And do you commit to fulfill the responsibility of elder as outlined in our Constitution, which include the ability to assist and support the pastor in the spiritual affairs of the church, set an example to others, watch faithfully over the spiritual interests of the congregation, maintain order in the house of God, assist in the distribution of elements of the Lord's Supper, aid in visiting the sick, and minister according to your ability in the edification and comfort of all the members of First Church. I do with God's help. Amen. Well, I want to invite any of the current former elders. If you'd like to gather around, we'd love to lay hands on you and pray for you as you begin your, your term as elder here at First Church. Let's pray. Our merciful Father in heaven, we thank you that you have provided faithful and gifted people to serve as elders. As these new office bearers assume their responsibilities, fill them with your spirit, endow them with your wisdom, and grant them strength. Make them faithful workers in your vineyard. Under their guidance, may your church grow in every spiritual grace and faith which is open and unashamed and in the committed service that prompts your reign in the world. Help them to perform their duties with enthusiasm and humility. In their work, grant them a sense of sustained awe which is rooted in daily adoration of you, their Lord. Through them, may your name be honored and your church be served. Amen. Amen. Congratulations. Welcome as elders of the church. I want to invite any of our current elders, and and now you are current elders, uh, to stay up here. And I invite Dave Rediger to come forward as we welcome uh, him as a new deacon as well. Any of the former elders, if you'd like to have a seat, you're, you're welcome to do that. Thank you for coming forward. David, as well as, um, as well as Brian Hoagie and Annette Thompson, our new deacons that, are, that began their term on February 1st as well. Um, Annette and Brian couldn't be here with us today, and so we're going to make them come up all by themselves next week and, and do the same thing. So, uh, but Dave, thank you for being here. And, and I'm going to ask you uh, the same questions that I just asked Carolyn and Chad um, about your faith and your, your willingness to come in and serve as deacon here at First Church. So do you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Do you believe the Old and New Testaments to be the inspired Word of God, and do you commit to align your life according to the Bible to the best of your ability with the help of the Holy Spirit? I do. Do you feel called by God to the office of deacon in order to serve God and edify the First Church of New Knoxville? I do. And do you commit to fulfill the responsibilities of deacon as outlined in our Constitution, which include the ability to aid in securing the funds necessary for the support of the church, foster the principles of Christian stewardship, dispense the charity of the church, and assist in the distribution of the elements of the Lord's Supper. Amen. Thank you for answering those, and I'd like to pray for you as well. And I invite our deacons, or excuse me, our elders, to lay hands on you as we pray. Heavenly Father, since the time of the apostles, you've inspired the church to commission certain members to assist in a special way in the pastoral mission of Christ. Hear our prayer for your faithful people, that in their vocation and ministry, each may be an instrument of your love. And give to your servants now to be ordained the needful gifts of grace. Bless the deacons that they may be humble and faith-inspired in their service. We ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Um, As you guys take a seat, I invite the children to come forward uh, for children's chat. And as they're coming forward, uh, take a few moments to greet each other as well. Got it. 
escaped. Did you see it escape? All right, let's try this again. Can you hold this for me? All right, let's try this again. All right, so today we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. What? Who, who, where's the Holy Spirit? Can we see it? No, we can't see the Holy Spirit, can we? Well, I have a marble, and it is supposed, a metal ball, and it is supposed to stay on top of here. Connor, can you do me a favor? I need you to hold it on both sides. One hand on each side. All right. So we're going to try this. We're going to put this marble on here. Okay, now. Well, this here metal thing, okay? Now. What, what am I doing with this? Am I moving it around? How am I doing that? With a magnet. With a magnet, yeah. But if we couldn't see underneath, in, underneath and knew that I had a magnet under there, it would be pretty awesome just to know that it's moving around all by itself, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah that would be pretty awesome. Well, you know what? The Holy Spirit is kind of like that. It is a power that we have within us it's that will... And we will, it will guide us in our life just like the magnet guided the ball all over the piece of cardboard. That Holy Spirit that is within us that we can't see, it helps to guide us. Okay? And when Jesus knew that it was about time for him to leave the earth and go to heaven, he called his disciples all around him, kind of like you guys are around me today, And he told them that when he left, the Holy Spirit would come and be their guide. And when we decide to follow Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes into our life. Can we see him? Can we see the Holy Spirit? No, we can't see the Holy Spirit. But we know that it's there because we can feel the power. Just like this ball and this magnet, we can feel the power as it comes together. We could feel the power as it guides across the cardboard. Okay, so if I hold the ball over here and the magnet over here, it's not the pull isn't strong enough. We need to stay close. It needs to stay close, just like we need to stay close to God by reading the Bible and by singing songs coming to Sunday school, when we stay close to God, the Holy Spirit stays close to us, okay? So we need to remember when the Holy Spirit is God guiding us, okay? And that's what what Pastor Joel is going to talk to us about today is the Holy Spirit, all right? And how we can't see it, but we can feel its pull on us, okay? Let's say a quick prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to guide us the way you want us to go. Help us to stay close to you so that we can feel the power of your Holy Spirit in our life. Amen. All right. Good job. In special operations in the country of Yemen this week, a member of SEAL Team 6, Chief Special Warfare Operator William Ryan Owens, was killed. He was 36, from Peoria, Illinois. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful to be here this morning. 
We're grateful to have the opportunity to, to gather in this place and worship you as one body of Christ here um, in New Knoxville. And, and for those that are listening on the radio, uh, we're grateful that together we can be lifting our, our words and our thoughts and our, and our emotions up to you in prayer, Lord. Uh, it's such a gift, um, and we don't want to take that for granted. We don't want to uh, take advantage of that, Lord. Uh, instead, we want to humbly come to you and, and, and ask for your help in our lives. Uh, we each carry burdens with us. We, we're bringing stuff into this service this morning uh, that are weighing us down, distractions that are taking our focus off of you, um, health issues, financial issues, relationship issues. Um, Lord, there's a lot that's, that, that we need your help with. Um, so, Lord, I, I ask that you help us through those situations, that you would grant us your peace to face whatever is coming our way and your strength to endure uh, the difficulties and trials of this life. And I pray, Lord, that, that you would grant us exactly what it is we need each day uh, to get through um, what we're facing. Whether If it's healing, we pray for healing. If it's, uh, if it's comfort, we pray for comfort. If it's a miracle, Lord, we pray that you would work a miracle um, in that situation. We're just so grateful that we have a God that we can come to in prayer together and lift up our needs and our concerns. And a God who not only hears us, but is able to, to answer us and do so effectively. We are so grateful for that. And we, are, uh, we thank you for all these things in the name of Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Uh, Those helping with the offering, I invite you to come forward at this time. Our offering this morning goes to support uh, the general fund here at the church.
I'd ask you to remain standing while we hear the scripture today, which comes from the book of John, chapter 16, verses 13 through 15. The words of Jesus. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. If you could please get out your blue hymnals and turn to page four as we sing, How Great Thou Art.
Amen. You may be seated. As you all know, today is the, the Super Bowl, you know, and I'm sure many of you will be watching that. A bunch of people are going to be gathering at Tori's house to, to watch that. But yesterday, uh, via Facebook, I got two messages from two different people in this church saying with a message that said that that we should care about church as much as we care about football. So that whenever your pastor makes a good point on Sunday, make sure you get some Gatorade and dump it over his head. And so one of those people is actually behind me. So I'm a little nervous about what's going to happen. I'm going to have to keep an eye out on things, but hopefully I'll stay dry. Um, let's pray. Father, thank you again for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to uh, just worship you this morning and, and hear your word uh, read, um, sung, and preached. And I pray that you would give me words to speak now and open up all of our hearts and minds to what you have, what you have to say to us today. In Christ we pray. Amen. So as we uh, continue on our journey through our mission statement here at First Church, and, and for those of you who... Um, who, who aren't familiar with it, it is printed in the front of your bulletin on that first page. And we're, we're about halfway through uh, these, these statements now, these e-statements that, uh, that I've been preaching on. Today we're going to be looking at how we can engage with the Holy Spirit to provide guidance and direction. And I think this is such an important uh, one for us to, to be talking about today uh, because we often think of the Holy Spirit as... as that maybe that that uncle that you don't always talk about at the family dinner, right? Like he's the, you know, you get together and he's that maybe that weird uncle you don't know a whole lot about and nobody really talks about. Um, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, you're probably that weird uncle. Uh, so, no offense. Uh, but we we know a whole lot about God the Father. We spend a lot of time thinking of of God the Father. We spend a lot of time talking about God the Son. You know, Jesus Christ. Uh, but, but God, the Holy Spirit, that third member of the Trinity, uh, is, is probably the one of the three that we spend the least amount of time thinking about and talking about and, and preaching about, really. Um, it's really easy to come up with a sermon on, on, on the Father and, and on the Son, but, but we don't always, we don't often, I should say, or maybe I should say as often as, as God the Father and God the Son, we don't often, as often hear sermons or hear people talking about God the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 12:1, Paul mentioned to the Corinthian church that he didn't want them to be ignorant about spiritual gifts and about gifts of the Spirit. And so um, I think it's important for us to not be ignorant about the Holy Spirit as well. It's important for us to know what we're talking about. And so um, as we talk about engaging the Holy Spirit, what I'd like to do today is, is talk, about, um, talk about three things. First of all, who is the Holy Spirit? What do we mean when we talk about the Holy Spirit? Uh, second, uh, what does the Holy Spirit do, um, especially in the lives of, of believers? And then finally, how can we engage the Holy Spirit? That's, after all, what our mission statement says, that we want to engage the Holy Spirit. And so we'll end with some hopefully kind of practical applications to what we're talking about today. And so first off is who is the Holy Spirit? And, and I guess before, I meant to say, before we jump in here, uh, we're going to be looking at a lot of different passages uh, in your Bible today. Um, you got one Actually, two of them, if you include the call to worship, uh, printed for you in the bulletin, but there's going to be several others that I'm going to be reading. So if you like to take notes and jot those things down, I'm going to do my best to, to give you those in advance so you can write them down uh, or, or um, just listen in as I read them as well. But we're going to be jumping around a little bit in your Bibles today. So the whole, who is the Holy Spirit? 
he's that member. He's the third member of the Trinity, as I mentioned. Um, Spirit and God are often used in parallel in the New Testament, which gives us an indication that that the Holy Spirit isn't isn't less than God. He's not something that that God created or or whatnot to to give us as a gift, but but he is God himself. He is a member of the Trinity, just as the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are all of the same substance. They are all equal in the Trinity. Um, The Spirit is right there with the Father and with the Son. Um, We saw that actually in our scripture reading today from John 16. We see the Father, Son, and and the Spirit kind of in a relationship with each other. Jesus talks about um, the Spirit of truth coming, and he will not speak on his own, but he will speak what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. The Spirit will glorify Jesus um, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So the Spirit speaks on behalf of Christ, on behalf of the Father. And all that belongs to, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why the Spirit will receive from me what he'll make known to you. And so there's this relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that's just uh, a part of, of, how, of who God is, of, a part of that trinity. Um, one God and three persons. And so the Spirit is, is right there with, with the Father and with the Son. Uh, we also see all three members of the Trinity are present at Jesus' baptism. This is probably the one spot in the New Testament that's the most kind of explicit about that as well. We see Jesus, the Son of God, being baptized, and it talks about when he comes out of the water, the heavens open up and you hear the, the voice of God, the voice of the Father speaking, and everyone there heard that audible voice um, talking about, this is my Son with whom I am well pleased. Um, and at the same time, it says the Holy Spirit descended and landed on on Jesus in the form of a dove. And so right there, you get this this picture of the heavens open up. Uh, Jesus, the Son, is there. But then you also have the Holy Spirit descending and landing on Jesus in the form of a dove. And so you get this kind of cool visual, I guess you can say, of of the Holy Spirit as as part of that member of the Godhead. And and as I as I refer to the Holy Spirit, um, some may see this as semantics, but I think there's some, there's some good theology behind it. Uh, I refer to the Holy Spirit as He, not it. You know, the, the Holy Spirit, we can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit just like we can have with Jesus and the Father. And so, so it's helpful, I think, to, to refer to the Holy Spirit as, as He when we are talking about Him. And Jesus Himself calls the Holy Spirit advocate, um, which in some translations may be comforter or counselor or helper. Uh, the word literally means like one who comes alongside, one, one who stands beside someone. Um, so there's different ways to look at it. Someone who's there to help. You know, if someone's in need, someone would come alongside them and help them. Uh, you know, think of the, the good Samaritan, right, who came alongside the person who was in need and helped them to, to recover and get the help that they needed. Um, but you can also think of it maybe, if, if this is helpful for you, in a legal sense, the advocate as a, uh, the, excuse me, the Holy Spirit as an advocate for someone in a legal sense, someone who, who stands in court and defends someone, who speaks on behalf of someone who can't defend themselves. And so, so the Holy Spirit is... Um, is our helper in that sense, um, both as, as comforter and as our advocate. Um, and we see Jesus refer to him that in John chapters 14 through 16, which is where our scripture reading came from today. Um, in the Old Testament, uh, you see references to the Spirit as well. And, and when the Old Testament talks about the Holy Spirit, uh, and the Spirit of God often um, is, how, is how they refer to it as, uh, the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come on particular people at particular times for particular tasks. In other words, God would send his spirit to, to be with someone like Samson for a particular time. It would give him the strength and the power he needed to defeat his enemies. And then when that task was accomplished, the spirit 
would, would in a sense, leave, right, return to God, and, and Samson then would be left on his own. Uh, you see the same thing described um, with David, uh, with those who built the tabernacle in the wilderness, talked about the Spirit of God came upon them in order for them to have the skill they needed to complete the tabernacle and the temple later on. And so in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came on particular people at particular times for particular tasks. But in the New Testament, we see the Holy Spirit is given to all believers, and it's, a, it's God's presence among his people. See, the New Testament describes how we are now uh, the temple of the Holy Spirit. We see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Paul writes, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. See, in the Old Testament, God's presence was associated with the temple in Jerusalem, the tabernacle that wandered around with them in the wilderness. But then when they entered the promised land and built the temple, it was, that's where God's presence was. And even when the temple was dedicated, you saw the, the, the glory of God uh, descend on, that, on the temple in a cloud, and it was a, a sign that God's presence was there. And so if you wanted to, to interact with God, if you wanted to offer gifts to him, if you wanted to sacrifice, if you wanted to pray, you, you physically went to the temple. If you weren't able to, you would pray kind of in that direction. Uh, but, you, but, but God's presence was associated with that place. Um, now we see in the New Testament that God's presence is with his people uh, through the presence of his Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit um, is a member of the Trinity. He is God, um, and he's here to help us. He's here as the spirit of truth who teaches us about Jesus, um, and he's here uh, with all believers. It's the gift that God has given us um, when we put our faith and put our trust in him. And so that brings up the next question. What does the Holy Spirit do? So we, we talked about who the Holy Spirit is, and now we're going to take a few minutes to talk about what he does. First of all, the Holy Spirit is instrumental in our justification and in our sanctification. I know those are big, you know, those are the $100 words, right, theology words there. Justification is is being made right with God. You are justified. In other words, you're, it's the moment, when you are justified, it's the moment that your sins are forgiven and that you are made right with God. Um, Christ has taken our sin uh, and, and dealt with it on the cross, and in turn, we receive his righteousness, and, and so we are justified before God. Sanctification, on the other hand, is the process that starts at that moment and then lasts a lifetime of growing more and more like Christ and becoming more and more like him. And so, and so we get justification as, as being made right with God, and then sanctification is that process of becoming more like him over the course of your life as you grow in your faith. And we see this in John chapter 16, verses 8 through 11. Jesus, again, speaking of the Holy Spirit, says, When he comes, he will provide, excuse me, prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. So the Holy Spirit helps us to see that there is sin in our lives. He reveals truth and reminds believers of Jesus' teaching. And so, so how, the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts us when we realize that we've done something wrong, when we've sinned, and helps us to, to come to repentance and confession to Christ. Um, and then he's the one that also helps us to grow and to, to understand what it means to follow Christ as we journey on this relationship with him. He reveals that truth and reminds us of what Jesus taught. In John 14:26, Jesus, again, speaking about the Holy Spirit, says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, 
whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. So the Holy Spirit plays this important role of, of helping us to grow in our faith and helping us to, to know and understand uh, what Jesus uh, taught us and how Jesus desires for us to live. Uh, Jesus has gone to be with the Father, right? That, and, and so in return, he has sent us his spirit, and it's a spirit that we have with us today and can, can have that relationship with. And not only does he remind us of um, the things that Jesus taught us, but he helps us also to understand the will and the mind of God uh, that has been made known to us through Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 through 14. Again, it's 1 Corinthians 2, uh, 10 through 14. These, and this is Paul writing. He says, these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak. This is why we speak, um, not in words taught to us by, in human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. And cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. So in other words, it's, the, it's God's Spirit that's living in us that helps us to understand the things that, that we read in the Bible and the things that, that God has revealed to us through His Son. Um, apart from that, apart from that, that connection to the Holy Spirit, it's, it's impossible for us to understand and really truly um, get it. And, and, and I'm not saying that apart from the Spirit you can't know the Bible. I talked about last week that there's a whole lot of people that know the Bible inside and out, but they don't have a relationship with God. They don't have the Spirit living in them. We can know a whole lot about the Bible, but not truly get it. You know what I mean? We can, we can, what the Spirit does is helps us to really, really get it and understand and make it real for our lives. So the Spirit helps us in our justification and our sanctification. Um, and it's His presence in our lives that is the mark of our relationship with God. In other words, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives is the deposit or, or, or some uh, translations talk about it's the guarantee of our future inheritance in the kingdom. Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14. It says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So he's speaking to people who are believers, and he's saying you've been included in Christ when you, when you heard the message and responded to it. When you believed, he says, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So in other words, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, if, if, you, if, if you have that relationship with God, if you've put your trust in him, that, that is evidence of, of your, your place in God's kingdom. And that's something that can't be taken away from you, right? You've put your trust in God. He's done all the work. His death on the cross is the, what, what made salvation possible. It was all his doing, right? And he's made that available to us. And so when we put our trust and our faith in him, when he transforms our lives, he gives us a spirit as a mark of that, that promise of salvation. And, and we can know that because he confirms in our hearts that we are God's children. The Holy Spirit... Um, in a sense, it, it gives us that confidence to know that we are we belong that we belong to God. In Romans eight, uh, fifteen through sixteen, I mentioned I'm kind of jumping around here. I hope you're able to to follow along. Romans eight, 
verses 15 and 16, says, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. See, it's the Holy Spirit. When, when God gives that to us, it's, it's the mark that we, we belong to his family, that we're members of his kingdom. And it's his presence in our lives that, that gives us that reassurance and that confidence that we are God's people. Now, sometimes we may doubt that ourselves, right? Sometimes we may not feel like it. Sometimes we, we may start to question it. But, but we can always return to this promise and, and other promises in Scripture that, that, um, that, that when we put our faith and our trust in Christ, when he's given us that spirit, that's, that's the guarantee that we are part of his family. Um, so the Holy Spirit... Uh, is, is that mark that we have a relationship with God, but the Holy Spirit also brings unity among believers. So it's not, not something that just is a benefit for you and your individual relationship with God, but it's also something that brings unity among believers. Um, Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. And I'm not going to dwell too much on this because actually uh, Tori, our wonderful youth director and children's director, is going to be preaching on this passage here in just a few weeks. Hope you don't mind a little plug there, but uh, I want to read it for you because it talks about the, how the Spirit brings unity among believers. Um, it says, As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And here in verse 3, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So Paul here is really emphasizing our, the, the fact that the, it's the Spirit. It's our, it's our common you know, bond of peace through the Spirit, our relationship with God, that, that brings unity among believers. We have all sorts of other things that we may not see eye to eye on. right? We may disagree about, about secondary issues and other things. Um, we may come from different backgrounds and, and from all over the world speak different languages and, and act differently, right? Different cultures. But the one thing that all believers have in common is our, is our connection to Christ um, and, and the gift of the Holy Spirit that he's given us um, as part of that relationship. And, and the way that that brings unity, the reason why we can have that common bond and common unity in Christ is because we each have our, that relationship with the Spirit. And so when we... Um, the way that we remain with each other is we remain in tune with the Spirit. Now, I know this may not be helpful for the radio listeners, but uh, what I have here is a tuning fork. And, and many of you are probably familiar with what this is. Um, it's used to uh, tune musical instruments or, or perform science experiments even. Um, but what happens when you strike this, I'm going to hold this up to my mic here. What was that? Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, hopefully you can hear it. It just rings out a nice, clear, single note. And our relationship with the Holy Spirit is like, is like this tuning fork. Um, when you tune a musical instrument, you tune yourself to the, to the tuning fork. Now, I'm not a musician, so the details may be lost to me, but this can help you tune an instrument, right? If you, if you have your guitar or piano or whatever, and you tune yourself according to this tuning fork, you'll be in tune. Now, the piano and the, the guitar, they don't, they don't tune each other as long as they're all in tune with that one tuning fork, they'll be in tune with each other because that's the standard. That's what they're all comparing themselves to. And so the same is true with Holy Spirit. When we, are, we have a relationship with him, 
Our goal is to be in tune with him, and in doing so, we'll be in tune with each other. God also, uh, through his Holy Spirit, equips his people to lead lives that honor God. And it helps us to live by faith, um, no longer according to our, the sinful desires of our flesh. Um, Romans 8 and Galatians 5 talk about living in step or in, in accordance with the Spirit. We no longer live according to our own sinful desires or our own, our own sinful nature, but we live in the way that the Spirit desires. It doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, of course, but it means that we no longer are ruled or slaves to our sin. We are now um, in step and in line with the Spirit. And this Holy Spirit also produces the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And you heard those read for our call to worship, those, those characteristics of who God is and what he's like. Um, the, whole, the Spirit helps bring those things about in our own lives as well. Things like love, joy, peace, and so on. Those fruit of the Spirit aren't optional. They're characteristics that all Christians should display over time and with the help of the Holy Spirit because they're in line with God's character. And so we, as we have a relationship with him, as, as we seek out and engage the Holy Spirit, he helps those things to grow in our lives. And he also, the third thing is he also gives us spiritual gifts to serve the church and build one another up. There's many different gifts, but there's one spirit who gives them as he chooses. And all the gifts are important. And one is, is not any better than the other. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 is a great place to go to, to read about the spiritual gifts and, and how they relate to our life as a church. See, a healthy church body will exercise all of its gifts. It's like a body. You know, you don't just exercise one muscle, right? You should, to, in order to be, have a healthy body, you should exercise your entire body. I had a friend in high school. Um, his name was Caleb. Uh, he was, he was in the, the he, was, he had some developmental disabilities and, and was in the special education program, but he helped out with the basketball team. So he was always hanging around. He's a great guy. Everybody loved him. Um, and he would always be in the weight room. And all he would do was bicep curls. That was it. Nothing else. He'd be in there every day just curling and curling. And this kid was like stick thin, right? But he had the biggest biceps you'll ever see. It looked like somebody took a softball and just like shoved it under his skin. And he would just walk around and like flex to people and show them off. And, and it, was, it was funny. It was great. But, but he, that's, a, that's a kind of a character. All he did was exercise that one muscle group. That was it. And so he was scrawny and skin and bones except for his giant biceps. And the same is true as when we only exercise one spiritual gift or only put emphasis on one spiritual gift over all others, uh, we're that, we're, we have that same problem as well. And so how do we engage the Holy Spirit? Uh, I have a few practical things I want to just, just mention here. Uh, first of all, we can engage him through prayer. Um, and it's a simple at- task of asking the Holy Spirit for guidance and wisdom. And we often overlook that. We often overlook the fact that we have that option, we have that access to go to God and, and specifically ask him for wisdom. James 1.5 says that if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. And so, so if you want to engage the Holy Spirit for, for guidance and direction and wisdom, go to him in prayer. Seek him out and ask for that wisdom that you desire. And give him time to respond. We often forget that silence is a part of our, should be a part of our prayer life. We, go, we often go to God with our list of things that we want to, him to deal with. And as soon as we get to the end, we say, all right, amen, and we're gone. Um, part of prayer, part of that relationship is waiting and, and waiting for God to respond and hearing and listening to what that may be. 
In addition to prayer, Bible study is also a great tool. The Holy Spirit helps us to understand God's Word and apply it to our lives. And so having a regular, consistent study of God's Word can be a, can be a helpful thing to engage the Holy Spirit. And before you read, before you, you know, open up your Bible and sit down in your chair with your cup of coffee or whatever you may do, you know, just ask God to, to speak to you through the Holy Spirit. Ask him to help you to understand what you're about to read that day and how it can apply to your life. Just like prayer, so often when we read the Bible, we may just fly through a few verses and then close our book and we go on about the day and never really take the time to seek God out and what he may be trying to teach us through his word. And so as you study the Bible, ask the Spirit to help you to understand God's word and, and maybe jot down some notes of, of things that come to your mind during that time. That brings me to the, the other practical thing I want to point out to you, and that's, that's journaling. That may be not as familiar to some of you as others, but it can be very helpful to simply just write out your prayers or write out your, your requests to God and then, and then record how you think God may be responding to you during that prayer time. Um, it may just be helpful as a way to focus and put aside distractions, but it can also be a very helpful thing to see over time um, as you look back at, at previous journal entries to see how God answered and see how you saw God's wisdom and guidance moving through your life. Oftentimes our, our, our spiritual hindsight, our, 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 our spiritual vision in hindsight is 2020. We may not see it in the moment what God is doing, but as we look back over time, we see how God was acting. There's many other things you can do to, to hear from the Holy Spirit, but I think those are three very practical things and practical steps that you can take. Um, but we also need to engage um, other people as well. We can ask other people to, to pray about specific decisions or a situation that you're seeking God's guidance in and ask them to pray about it and, and let you know how God may be speaking to them in the moment. I believe that, that it's important for us to do that in community because because it's the one same spirit that's in each one of us. God's not going to tell me one thing and then you something completely different because he's consistent. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so as God speaks to us, he's going to have a message for me and for you. And they should line up. And that can be a part of that confirmation process. And finally, we need to always compare what you receive from the Holy Spirit with the standard of God's word. First John 4 teaches us to test the spirits. And so because God is consistent, um, he's not going to contradict himself. And so what we receive from the spirit, what we, what we may be receiving from God in prayer, we always want to back up with God's word. And if we can find, if we find that we feel God is calling us to do something and it's in contradiction to what God's word says or, or who God, what God is like revealed in his, in his word, then it must not be from God, right? That's your own thoughts or your own things coming up. So we need to test ourselves according to the standard of God's word. And so as we seek to live this out together, as we seek to live out God's uh, purpose for our church, part of that is engaging the Holy Spirit. And so I want to challenge you to, to do that. Engage the Holy Spirit in your own life as you grow in your relationship with God. But also, let's do it as a church. As we, as we try to strive for what God has in store for us and for our future, let's seek, seek him out together. Engage the Holy Spirit together and for his guidance and wisdom. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for uh, all you've done for us and for giving us your Holy Spirit, for, get, for, for the guidance and wisdom that we so desperately need. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. In closing, let's sing uh, the first verse of our, of our hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy. Number 260.
May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.